This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Friday, it's the 12th of January 2024. And today we are wrapping up CES in Las Vegas. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you doing today? I am glorious. Thank you, Stephen Scott. Wrapping up CES. I like that. In a nice little bow and everything. In a, oh, can I tell you, before we get into that, I, I did actually oh. um, buy something else this week. this week. Yeah, what, what did I oh. buy this week? I bought many things. Uh, I bought the talking watch. Hasn't arrived yet. Oh. It's supposed to be here yesterday by 10 p.m., <gasps> hasn't arrived. Okay. So I've been on to Amazon. I've said I want a discount immediately. Yes. Uh, I've <laughs> written an apology. Free. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A discount of uh, 100%. And, I ordered it 24 uh, hours ago. <laughs> Why has no one arrived up? at my door with this? <laughs> this tiny little box that's probably we lying in a warehouse somewhere. I know we are. That is so true. Uh, but yeah, so it's on its way. But the other thing I bought, uh, and like you're saying, all wrapped up, I, I was all wrapped up myself the other night in a beautiful, have you heard of this? A heated throw. Oh, um, uh, well, electric blanket, I'm guessing. Uh, Yeah, okay, uh, that's one word, that's one name for it. (laughs) But I prefer heated throw, because this is not for the bed. I mean, you could could use this anywhere, but ultimately this is for relaxing on the sofa. Maybe it's a little bit chilly. You don't want to put the heating on. So instead you connect a blanket to the electric circuit. Well, you see, that's the thing with all that. If they can make it wireless, beautiful. But having that mm. cable and all that, I, I never really got into it. Electric blanket makes sense because you would just have it as your undersheet, I believe it's called. Oh, yes. I've got, got one of those as in. well. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> like I live in the middle of Norway or something. <laughs> the wilds of nowhere. Oh, it is nice, though, to have a heated but Like on the settee, on the sofa, I can see that yes. working. But I don't know. Having it plugged in, being tethered, no thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're not a plugged in kind of guy. I am not. No, <laughs> in I'm many ways. Very much um, free. <laughs> <laughs> you walked into that one. Sorry, you just walked right into that. Sorry, had to, had to take it. Um, anyway, uh, yes, we are uh, wrapping up CES today. The uh, Consumer Electronics Show wrapped up in Las Vegas. Another huge week for tech, and of course, all the tech conversation is it's, it's always around the usual stuff, isn't it? Well, that's the thing. I, I was going to say because you mentioned. To me yesterday, and I believe on the show, you mentioned about um, assistive technology, accessible tech. And Mm. I've been racking my brains because all the stories that I've been seeing are, you know, your mainstream, your out there wacky technology. And I honestly haven't seen that much when it comes to something that would be relevant to us, Mm. the accessible side of things. So I'm really interested what uh, what you've plucked out here. Well, you know what? I think we should just dive right in, don't you? Because there are so many stories. And yes, there are a lot of assistive tech stories. I think you're going to be surprised today because this is, uh, well, I mean, you were surprised for two reasons. One, the amount of stories. And two, the research that I have done into today's program. (laughs) Uh, Because the thing about this event is you're absolutely right. All the headlines talk about transparent TVs, flying cars, smart B-days. And that's great. That is, And of course, that's the stuff that always grabs the headlines. But there's a lot more tech that really does and will make a difference to us. And that's the stuff I'm interested in. So shall we just dive right in? 
Let's hear it. So there was a lot about navigation for blind people at CES this year. One of the companies that attracted quite a lot of media attention was a Romanian startup called Lumen, which showed off its smart obstacle detection technology. So using sensors, the headset guides you via trackers that sense if something is blocking your path. A vibration in the headset on the right or left side will then guide you to change direction. Now, the headset uses the same self-driving technology that's found in cars, but is even more technical because it has six cameras and uses artificial intelligence to determine if a surface is safe to walk or not. The company believes that in time, it could potentially replace long canes and even guide dogs. We've heard that before. More on this to come as the headset is uh, made available later in the year. Now, Lighthouse Tech showed off the latest iteration of its smart navigation glasses called the LTH-01, which were designed for blind and visually impaired people. The stylish glasses that were created by Italian designers are equipped with hidden sensors that alert the wearer to obstacles that traditional aids like canes or guide dogs might miss, such as low-hanging branches or open windows. Lighthouse Tech is developing three different styles of these glasses, aiming to combine functionality with fashion. Nathan Deutsch from the organization told us more about the new features they are building into this model. So I have, uh, this is a 3D printed uh, prototype uh, again, um, but we've uh, made some improvements, uh, mainly on the internals and the interactivity. Um, the glasses themselves have sort of remained uh, as is. One thing that we've sort of um, uh, drop for now uh, is uh, that uh, so what we're doing is detecting obstacles in front of the user um, the sensors can go quite far but you know we'll dynamically adjust depending on what uh, what people need um, uh, one thing that uh, uh, people have told us is that they really want all of this sort of in a compact uh, fashionable and contained uh, product um, and uh, so we're not focusing right now on putting vibrating receptors or other things elsewhere on the body. We're just really doing left-right uh, field uh, and left-right vibration, and those are going to the vibration is going to be on the temple itself. And uh, just when I when I say vibration, uh, what, uh, if you think of the sort of the button that you tap on your iPhone, you get that clicking sensation. That's really what we're going for because. Uh, having something uh, vibrate uh, on your head. Uh, uh, let's say uh, our 50-odd our, uh, testers that we talked to uh, in the last year uh, didn't actually, uh, didn't exactly appreciate that, but uh, what we've come up with is uh, a system where we have uh, basically uh, sort of one of those iPhone-type feelings, that clicky feeling uh, in contact with your, uh, with your head behind the ear uh, in, a, in a place where you can sort of feel uh, what's coming your way, and that click uh, increases in frequency than uh, at a threshold where you're, you know, approaching something dangerous. And we'll keep up to date with Nathan and his team at Lighthouse Tech to find out how the product and its preparations for launch go. Now, Hearsee Mobility is a non-profit organization based in Utah that debuted its technology at CES 2024. The innovative system includes a smart cane and an indoor navigation system that provides audio directions and descriptions of surroundings to visually impaired people. It's designed to help us blind folks navigate new indoor environments independently, addressing the challenges and safety concerns that we often face in unfamiliar places. Here's some more information from a promotional film uh, that is available on Hearsee Mobility's website. 
Imagine navigating through a busy airport terminal in an airport you have never been to. You look for signs that will give you an idea of which way you need to go. On your route, you get cues from the things you see that tell you you are on the right path. Now, imagine doing it blind. Unlike other for-profit companies, Pearce Mobility knew that helping the blind community needed to come first. As a non-profit organization, our goal has been to provide the freedom for the blind to navigate new areas confidently. Something that the sighted community takes for granted. Throughout this process, we have taken guidance from the community, prepared items for approval, and developed products that meet the community's needs. Here is a quick demo of how the system works. Then continue 6 feet. Continue forward 19 feet. Take a slight left and continue 19 feet. This wall art is a cut section of a tree root ball. It is 4 foot by 4 foot and sits off the wall 1 foot and is painted silver. You have arrived at lobby wall art. Navigation has finished. Very interesting, I'm sure you'd agree. Now, the Fintan V1 is a novel device designed to aid blind smartphone users who aren't braille readers. It's developed by OneCom, a Korean electronics company, and offers an alternative to traditional Braille keyboards for smartphones. The compact handheld device connects to smartphones as well as computers over Bluetooth. The Fintan V1 compresses a full QWERTY keyboard into just six keys, each capable of being pressed in six directions to represent different letters. It also features tactile and haptic feedback. OneCom also plans to adapt to this technology for sighted users in gaming controllers for messaging and chat features. Can't wait to get my hands on this. Now, OneCourt announced an innovative solution for blind and low-vision sports fans, a haptic mini-field. So here's how this works. It provides a tactile experience, allowing users to feel positions of players and the ball in near real-time on a laptop-sized field. The technology uses real-time player and ball location data, converting that into vibrations on the touchable surface, enabling a more immersive and spatially detailed understanding of the game. OneCourt aims to offer these devices at sports venues, similar to subtitle displays or audio descriptions in theatres. Now, another device to help blind people move around more safely was Glide. It's a robotic walking aid developed by Glidance Inc. Amos Miller is the founder and CEO of Glidance, who himself lost sight due to retinitis pigmentosa and designed Glide to offer independence and confidence to visually impaired people. It's equipped with AI and sensors and two wheels and assists you in navigation by moving around and avoiding obstacles and giving environmental awareness. It's almost that fusion between a guide dog and a white cane. We'll see how that works in practice. Now, OrCam is best known around the world for its devices that allow low-vision people to read more easily with products on the market, such as the MyEye and currently the Read 3. However, at CES 24, they announced HEAR, an assistive technology for people with hearing loss. This platform includes earbuds and a dongle that connects to a phone with an app to control voice isolation. Using, you guessed it, AI, it creates speaker profiles, allowing users to focus on specific voices in noisy environments. The technology is still very much in the preview phase, according to OrCam themselves, and is expected to be released later this year. 
Now, Essilor Luxottica is a world leader in eyewear and lenses and home to a multitude of eyewear brands you'll know, such as Ray-Ban. Now, at CES, they revealed glasses that can help those with mild to moderate hearing loss. Now, the technology itself is hidden in the frames, meaning that it's more comfortable than wearing a hearing aid and can help with those who feel there's perhaps a stigma to wearing hearing aids. It allows the wearer to adjust the volume around them via the glasses, an app, or a small remote control, which is ideal within busy environments or in large crowds. The product is likely to become available later this year in the US and in 2025 in Europe. It comes after Essilor Luxottica acquired the Israeli startup Nuance Hearing. And staying with hearing, you might remember that we spoke to the creators of an app called Wisp back at CES Unveiled in Amsterdam last year. It's an innovative app designed for people who stutter or have voice disabilities, and it utilizes the latest in AI technology to transform whispered or impaired speech into clear, natural-sounding audio in real time. Now, of course, this can be especially beneficial to those who stutter severely, as whispering can reduce significantly their stuttering frequency. The app's latest features now allow users to make phone and video calls confidently, offering a more inclusive communication solution. The developers of the app told us more about it. This week, at the start of CES, we launched our mobile app to make real-time phone calls with the WISP technology. So it's been a big leap, a a big improvement to have it really real-time. So currently you can make phone calls with the WISP app, available for iOS and for Android. And you can imagine there's a a mouth-to-ear latency of about 350 milliseconds. So you don't notice the AI conversion that's happening currently in the cloud. So that is just some, Sean, of the stories that I've found so far. I will get into more of those a little bit later, but that's just just a small taste of the accessibility stories. So does that answer your question? Are there any accessibility tech stories at CES? I am blown away. Stephen, (laughs) you've excelled yourself. That was, no, that was really cool because I have, I'll be honest with you, I've struggled to find those stories, but there were so many there. But that's the point. And I think that's exactly why a show like this needs to exist. And the same with Access Tech Live. We've been covering a lot of these stories and more over on Access Tech Live, uh, which you can watch all the episodes, of course, of that, because we did two episodes this week. We did one on Wednesday and on Thursday, uh, both one-hour-long specials and speaking to a range of different people from different organizations. Uh, You're going to hear a little bit more uh, on this accessibility story later because we've got so much more to talk about, in particular around other disabilities. I'm thinking about, for example, Parkinson's. There's one particular story that has been uh, attracting a lot of media attention. But I think oftentimes if there's no human aspect to the story, then you don't get the headline. You know, I think about that Fintan V1 with, with the QWERTY keyboard. Yes. You know, yeah, it's great for, for blind people and we would love to know about it, but it's probably not a very sexy headline for TechCrunch or for iMore or whoever else, you know, and that's the problem. So, you know, for us, we need to dig in a little bit. And it was very hard to find information on these stories, but this is what CES is all about for me. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, I've, I spoke to a number of uh, different journalists over the past couple of weeks who've been talking about CES, and they've been saying, well, you know, it's kind of lost its touch a little bit. You know, it's not what it used to be. Yeah. I disagree. I think it's an opportunity for companies like these to really showcase, and it's up to us to do our bit 
to highlight their work. So that's why we're doing this today. Um, but like I say, lots more to come. So yeah, that's just a small taste. But I want to I want to dig into some of the other stories because there are some that kind of sit outside of accessibility. Uh, and you know, you could argue they do have some accessibility related. Um, elements. I mean, this one in particular, I'm thinking about the Clicks BlackBerry style keyboard yes. for phone. I wonder if they're really sick of people calling it the BlackBerry style keyboard yet. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> Isn't that what they, they, they're going for? Did they use the word in their marketing anywhere? I don't think they did. No. Um, well, but okay. everyone else, because look, it's the most likeliest example or the most recent example of this kind of device. And of course, the BlackBerry was extremely successful. Um, this, uh, I've got some more information on because we did talk about this the other day. Um, this was founded by Michael Fisher, also known as Mr. Mobile. Oh. Uh, I don't know if that was, you know, to um, Mr. and Mrs. Mobile, a son, Mr. Um, or how that worked. I don't know. <laughs> Don't know how that works, but anyway, uh, Michael Fisher was behind it and is a tactile keyboard, so physical keys. It's got backlit keys, it's got keyboard shortcuts uh, via an app, and uh, you can customize those. And it connects through the phone's port, supporting both Lightning and USB connections, depending on the iPhone model. Now, we didn't know much about this when we uh, were talking about it. We just knew the design and the style and and rough shipping dates. But a couple of things is important to know: it doesn't have any MagSafe compatibility. Does that bother you? It kind of does. I'll be honest with you. Yes. Mm. It bothers me as well. Although it does work with wireless Qi chargers. So you can use a wireless charger, yeah, but not okay. the MagSafe one. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's not too bad then. Yeah. It just means you can't use those chargers where it's holding your phone up vertically. Yeah. Here's another one for you. It's not water resistant. Oh, yeah. No, that's not good. Depending on where you live in the world, obviously it's more of a problem <laughs> than other places. I don't know about you, but when I use my phone and I'm outside, if I'm, let's just say, marching rather swiftly to the butchers to get a steak pie. What um, a beautiful image you, you draw. That's gorgeous. <laughs> I can't think of anything else that's not real. Um, but, uh, you know... Let's just say I answered my phone. I may be a little bit. There may be a little bit of sweatage. That's what I'm. I'm trying to say here. That's a little bit of sweatage. Hang on. No, I don't care how swift you're marching to the butchers. If you sweat like it's raining, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> um, sweat resistant is is okay. Whatever. But um, it's like the we walk cane where they say you can't use it outside in the rain. I'm mm. sorry. That's. That's probably the where I want to use it. So um, yeah, that that is more of an issue for me. I'll be and there's one other you. thing. There's one other thing which I think might irritate you as well. It certainly would me. It doesn't support wired earpods. Uh, why? That makes no sense. What? Why not? So the pass through must be for charging only. It mustn't be a data pass through. So that USB or, or Lightning port at the bottom. It will just be for... Oh, yeah, of course. Yes, because you've, you've, lo- you've lost that. You've yeah. lost that connection. Oh, you know um, what? That is a mistake. Yeah, I think that is a mistake. I, do. I don't like that. I'll I tell you what it is, because it's funny. that There's a few cases that I've had in the past which don't support uh, wireless charging, let alone mm. MagSafe. They're too thick, for example. Um, and I hate taking a case off once my phone is in it. I just want to leave it in constantly. And having to remove a case to plug in some headphones, some wired headphones, no, that's that. 
that's not a good move. <laughs> Sorry, no, I don't like that at all. I, I expect that would be fixed in Gen 2 because it's only a case of how they've set up the um, their output socket themselves. There's no reason why they couldn't pass through audio as well, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and you know, I think the thing for us as well is, you know, it's all about latency for us. You know, we want to keep latency down to an absolute minimum and wired earpods do that. You know, I, I have to say I was using my... Um, a magic keyboard, my Apple magic keyboard with my iPhone and the difference between using it with AirPods and using it with wired AirPods. Oh, yeah. Now for most people, they wouldn't care. You know, if you're typing an email and you're not blind and you're not using a screen reader, you don't care less, but you do notice it. You really notice that latency yeah. when you use a screen reader. So, you know, that wired can make a difference. So that does kind of irritate me a little bit. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's, I still like the idea of the keyboard, but I think I'd be taking that keyboard off and on my phone a lot more than I was kind of hoping I would. Yeah, and it does kind of limit it to more inside use, right? Because that latency is annoying. Yes. I'm sorry, I find it very annoying. No matter yeah. if, even if it's the, the best situation, I still find it annoying to vo- have voiceover lagging behind me. It, it's off-putting. So in that case, the best use, and plus the you know lack of um, waterproofing, the best use is when you're in home. Well, it, when I'm at home, I, I'll use my... Bluetooth keyboard, anyway. Yes, <laughs> so, save myself one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, that's, that's a yeah, that's kind of a shame. I'll be honest with you. Wi-Fi seven is out. Woo woo! Oh, um, keep up. I know. <laughs> it's better than the last one. I promise you, it is absolutely better than the last one. <laughs> uh, that is what Wi-Fi people tell us. Uh, yeah, this new standard offers significant improvements over the previous Wi-Fi six E, which I thought was brand new. But there you go. I know. Uh, the, the thing here is, this is all about increasing speed. And, uh, you know, some of these speeds are faster than it is possible to send data down. Uh, you know, speeds are going up to 48 gigabits over Wi-Fi 7. That's, yes, that's very good. I've got a one gigabit connection at home. I, my internet can't even cope with anything beyond one gigabit. And you've got 48, 48. gigabit? Yeah, but for transferring internally across your home to computer to computer... I mean, that will make the huge difference. Transferring a file from one computer in one room to another one through the, your own Wi-Fi network, uh, having that sort of speed is incredible, fantastic. It's also saying lower latency, which is good as well, for especially for you know, high-resolution streaming and AR, VR applications. But I, I suppose my, my question is, would this be more useful and more applicable to people? Because I'm trying to think what the benefit here is. Is it to do with, say, device-to-device connection indoors? rather than what is coming in from the internet. Because, you know, if you've got, even if in some places you can get three gigabit, right? If, if you really pay the money, you can get three gigabit internet now. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, okay, so that's the, that absolute maximum speed you can get, which is very fast. I mean, one gigabit is incredibly fast, more than most people need. And, you know, three gigabit is even more so that case. Now, 48 gigabits sounds amazing, but that is only going to apply internally. And I'm thinking about devices like, for example, the MetaQuest 3, and maybe you're using it with a PC, would that have an impact with both of those devices? Because, you know, the MetaQuest works over Wi-Fi. Would that allow it to connect more swiftly to the PC? And is that really where that that, that amount of gigabits actually helps? I, I, would I, yeah, I don't I would, know. I would assume so. But for me, the, the every evolution of these new Wi-Fi protocols are more to do with the amount of 
devices they support and the reliability of the connection between them. I mean, the amount of smart speakers people have now in their home, the amount you know of TVs that are connected to yeah. your Wi-Fi router, keeping yeah. all those in order, knowing what bits of data are going where, um, I think that's the key. Ah, so it's more about bandwidth, really. You're thinking, right? Okay, so it's bandwidth, more bandwidth connectivity of- as well, because uh, everything is going mesh as well. So devices are connecting to each other rather than to mm. a server on the outside. So having that connection, there's so much more traffic internally in our houses than there ever was before. So, yeah, I'm still stuck on AC. I think so. I'm a long way behind. Well, you know, the Wi-Fi 7 also operates on a wider 320 megahertz channel or wider channels, uh, reducing interference and congestion. And this is something I was hearing about. I don't quite understand this, but from what I picked up from this podcast I was listening to, I was trying to explain it in words I understood not doing very well, <laughs> or I wasn't doing very well. Um, it, it's kind of saying that, you know, the thing with Wi-Fi is that, you know, and the person was talking in, in particular from the point of view of getting people and guests on his show. He says, I never have anyone on Wi-Fi. I always ask them to connect on a wired connection because the thing about Wi-Fi is anything that gets in the way, any device that pops into the, the path, you know, there's like a, it's almost like um, Wi-Fi of, of old, you know, today's Wi-Fi is kind of almost very British in its approach, which is very much like, oh, no, no, you go first, you go first. And it kind of pauses and then allows whatever's got in its way to to pass by. And that can have an impact. So on a video call, for example, that's where the dropouts come from. That's how they happen. Well, they can happen. I didn't know that. Yes. Well, you just think, how many people had a Wi-Fi router 15, 20 years ago? Now, every single house on my street, you know, if you look through your Wi-Fi networks, it's full. There's so many on there. And if your next door neighbor's got a Wi-Fi router, even if it's not the same make, not the same provider, whatever, there's only a limited range of channels that they work on. So if you're on the same channel as your neighbor, they're going to interfere with each other. They're going to get confused and it's going to slow everything down. Now, there's a lot of AI. I'm going to use AI. There's a lot of automation <laughs> that goes on in the background that that changes the channel. If, they, if it does a test and it feels like it's not reliable or fast enough, it will say, okay, let's change a channel. Like in the old days of CB radio, let's go to channel 13 instead and see if mm. that's better. So yep. yeah, that makes sense. That's actually a really good way. To, that's a better way to think about it, actually. Like the CB radio example. Well, it depends how old you are. People may be saying CB radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think I think I think we're okay. Um, so you know, it's anticipated as well that the first Apple devices to incorporate Wi-Fi Seven will be the 16 Pro and 16 Pro Max, with the technology expected to extend to iPads and Macs later on. Again, though, you know, when it comes to my Mac, I mean, it really irritates me. One thing that really gets me about the Mac is that you have to have Wi-Fi on all the time. I would rather just work off Ethernet. But you do have to have Wi-Fi on all the time because of all the Apple ecosystem functionality. It exists over Wi-Fi. That's true. You need it. So if you want to get calls on your Mac, if you want to be able to do text messages, if you want to use AirDrop, you need to have Wi-Fi connected, which is actually quite irritating because I'd rather just use my fast, solid Ethernet connection. But one thing you can do, which is kind of cool on the Mac, is you can prioritize connections. You can say, I want you to make this the main uh, provider of you know the internet and just kind of say this is it this is where i want you to focus on and, and have ethernet first and wi-fi second you can actually do that in settings maybe i should have a demo of that at some point so yeah I'd, I'd never heard of that. that that's very cool I, I don't know if you could do that in windows but i wish you could of course you can of course you can it's impossible to do and okay, if you do it's thank you. buried inside a setting you'll never find um okay stick around <laughs> we don't know if that's true by the way <laughs> 
It's never stopped me before. Uh, right, listen, stick around. Uh, lots more to talk about. Uh, lots more as we wrap up CES here on Double Tap. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. Call the Double Tappers now, 1-877-803-4567 or email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. Okay, shall we dive back into some of the other accessibility stories of CES? Because there were a lot. I want more. Augmental has developed a smart dental retainer that enables users to control devices through head movements and tongue gestures. Additionally, they are working on silent speech technology that interprets tongue movements to form words, aiding those who cannot speak vocally. The retainer also features bone conduction for immediate feedback. Now, this technology is not only beneficial for people with disabilities, but could also have broader applications in AR and VR and hands-free interactions. Augmental aims to release the product in the US this year. Cotton Singer is one of the founders and told us more about it. Essentially, we're making an intraoral assistive interface. It's like a Bluetooth trackpad that goes inside the mouth. So it essentially enables access to your smartphone, computer, your tablet, anything with a Bluetooth chip in it. And it enables your tongue and mouth to essentially drive your cursor, uh, enable click functionality, basically digital screen navigation if the use of your hands is not available. My co-founder and I have been working in the space of alternative input interaction for about a decade each. We've got degrees in computer science and cognitive science, so how computers work and human systems work. So over the past years, we've really explored all the alternative inputs out there beyond hand-based input paradigms, you know, eye tracking, uh, EEG, EMG, muscle tracking, uh, speech interfaces, even brain implants um, with our expertise. So we've kind of led to this sort of culmination of efforts that looks at the tongue as really the 11th finger, you know, a very capable and dexterous part of us that's really been untapped as far as computer interaction is concerned. And um, we wanted to make a general solution for folks living with quadriplegia or spinal cord injury so that they would just have, you know, above neck access to their personal devices. Fascinating technology, isn't it? And and staying with fascinating, uh, how about this? A glove that can help reduce tremors in Parkinson's patients. Yes, this comes from a company called Gyrogear that have built the world's most advanced hand stabilizer with strategic partners that include Chinese technology company Foxconn. Now, the key to the product, which is called Gyroglove, is an attached gyroscope about the size of a hockey puck, but with a disc inside that spins faster than a jet engine turbine. Now, at the moment, the glove itself is quite large in size, but the plan is to miniaturize the gyroscope with future iterations of the glove. Now, this made a huge difference to Roberta Wilson-Garrett from Canada, who lives with Parkinson's. She spoke to us alongside the founder of the company, Dr. Phil Ong. Basically, what we have here is the world's most advanced hand stabilizer. And this is the gyro glove for 200 million people around the world uh, with Parkinson's disease and essential tremor. And this morning, I'm joined very warmly by uh, Roberta. Uh, She's come all the way down from Canada to join us. And uh, Roberta has advanced Parkinson's and she's actually wearing uh, one of our products, actually. I couldn't believe it. I put it on, I took it off and I put it back on again because I couldn't believe that it would eliminate my tremor. You know, and depending on my, where my tremor's at that day, some days it'll 
totally take it away. Some days it just takes it down so I can function easier with it. But uh, yeah, for me, it's life-changing. My regime is medication every three hours at this point in my Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. um, at this point, it doesn't eliminate my medication. This isn't a cure for my Parkinson's, but no. it gives me back some of the freedom in my life. It uh, give, gives me back some autonomy. It lets me lead my old life the way I used to live it without always having to negotiate my tremor around what I want to do. This actually is a medical advice. And so it's US FDA class one registered already and Australian TGA uh, class one registered as well. And of course, we'll be coming to uh, major markets, uh, you know, internationally as soon as we can. And I think more importantly, this is actually available right now for, uh, for anyone to purchase or, uh, over the, you know, on our website at gyrogear.co. It's gyrogear.co. Now, on to a smart cushion for more comfortable seating. This comes from a company called Calogon that uh, specializes in smart seating solutions and showcased its innovative product called Orbiter at CES 2024. Orbiter, featuring machine learning and air cell technology, helps redistribute weight and maintain blood flow which can enhance comfort to those seated in wheelchairs, as well as those who sit for long periods in offices, for example. Now, this smart cushion connected to an app allows personalization for users, uh, caregivers, and clinicians as well. Tim Boltz is the CEO and co-founder of the company. So, Caligan, we do uh, smart seating. So we've started in the wheelchair market where we've created a cushion that when you sit down, it'll detect your body and it'll automatically tune to you. So it'll change to match the curvature of your body. But it also, a clinician can take an app and actually tune and adjust the, the cushion based on exactly what seating that individual needs. Back in high school, I actually founded a nonprofit where I would refurbish electric wheelchairs and give them away. Uh, and so that's kind of where I started learning about the technology and learning about all these unmet needs. Uh, and so from there, just a, a long journey that got me here, everything from designing wheelchairs to even getting to do some work that was recognized by Stephen Hawking and then uh, left SpaceX to, to start this company to you know, solve the problems of seating. Now, Tim, you've got the cushion there with you. Uh, can you perhaps show us it and maybe give us a bit of a, an audio description of it? I'm blind, so if you can describe it for me, please, that would be helpful. Just to give us a sense of what this, what this device is. Yeah, so this is uh, one of the versions of our products. This is actually the one that we do uh, with the Air Force, but it uses the same technology that we use for the wheelchair market. It's, most of them are about 18 inches by 18 inches. Uh, they're about three and a half inches tall. It's got a black cover on it with uh, blue accents down the side. And it looks just like a normal wheelchair cushion on the outside, but on the inside, it's so much more. We've got these electronics and these air bladders that work in unison with the foam to give you that customized seating experience. Now, L'Oreal unveiled an AI chatbot at CES 2024 that got quite a lot of attention from media. The French personal care company unveiled its new physical and digital products, including the AI chatbot that gives beauty tips based on an uploaded photograph and a device that allows users to colour their hair at home. Here's more from the onstage presentation. We believe that tech can push the boundaries of what's possible, help us improve the lives of consumers around the world, and cater to the infinite diversity of beauty needs and aspirations of every individual. Hello, Nicholas. What's up? Well, I just got here to uh, sunny Las Vegas after an 11 hours flight, so I still feel a bit jet-lagged, and uh, I'm sure it shows. Do you have any advice? We have created the perfect beauty advisor whenever you want and wherever you are. Let me introduce you to L'Oréal Paris, 
Beauty Genius, our first virtual personal beauty advisor. I'd like to introduce someone who became an expert in coloring her hair at home. So the color mixes itself, and all I have to do is brush it on. It is so easy. Let me show you. <laughs> Can you guys see this? And look, my hands aren't even dirty. And we'll be following that story throughout 2024, I promise you. And finally, Dutch startup Breggs displayed its luxury hearable, which is a wireless in-ear computer that has, wait for it, four speakers per ear, creating a concert-like audio experience, but also has a voice-activated personal assistance that allows you to have your emails read out or even call an Uber or use ChatGPT. You can also choose to answer the phone by shaking your head, and you can skip songs or increase or decrease the volume of what you're listening to that way too. The in-ear computer is custom-sized for a better fit and is definitely considered luxury, as it will cost you around $1,750. We caught up with the developers to find out more. And to find out how it compares to other products on the market, similar products, like the Apple AirPods 2, for example. It's a different world, and I don't want to, to, to compare it. It's a different world in sound. And it's also a different world what these things can do. Uh, so just yesterday, uh, Bragi announced and uh, we will have this feature right from the start. We have AI uh, running on this thing. So we have a personal assistant called Luna and you can ask Luna everything. So when I'm in a bad mood today, I'm in a good mood today, of course. <laughs> but if I'm in a bad mood and I need some energy, I say, hey, Luna, I feel very bad today. Please search for some music that I feel better. Uh, and uh, Luna is doing this for me. Oh, when I'm here at CS and I ask Luna, hey, Luna, uh, I'm in Vegas. We just finished our day at the booth. What should we do? and then we get some recommendations. Or when I travel to Italy, I can say, hey Luna, I'm here in Rome, and uh, please translate for me, uh, where's the next coffee shop um, where I get the best coffee and I get this instant by voice. So our, in goal, Italian, yeah, in our, our goal is that we don't need the screen of our iPhone or whatever that much we you just have your breaks in your computer in your ear and you talk to him and you get all the needed information and of course with this quad driver system we are using balanced amateur drivers which are completely different uh, from the drivers which are in the AirPods Pro um, yeah the sound is it, you need to feel it uh, so it's uh, sad that you're not here and I can stick them into your ear uh, and, um, and, and you, you can feel it yeah we kind of wish we were there to have those stuck in our ears uh, <laughs> but sadly <laughs> that wasn't going to happen uh, but what an amazing product what an amazing uh, company as well and one we'll be hearing lots more about uh, just a, an amazing mix of stories right uh, again, yeah. I mean, a couple of things stood out to me there. The the, the smart cushion. It, initially, you think, oh, it's one of those frivolous stories again, right? Mm. But as soon as you mention, okay, uh, wheelchair users, and and not just comfort as well, but there's other things like you know pressure sores and things like that. You think actually, this is something that can make a huge difference, like the gyro glove. 
I mean, I thought that was wow. a fantastic story. Parkinson's affects so many different people. And yes, it's not a cure. They made that, that clear, but it manages the symptoms, the effects of Parkinson's. And it had a, such an effect on the, the, that lady's life. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, just an incredible range of stories. And, you know, that, as you say, the gyroglove really stood out. And I think it captured a lot of attention uh, because of Roberta's story. Yeah. And the actual impact that this technology has and is, is having now. And I think that's what's really interesting because, you know, we, we talk so much about this tech that comes out of CES. You know, 80% of it might never see the light of day. Yeah, that's, that's the reality. Right. You know, yes. a lot of this technology might never come out. This is about almost shaping ideas. It's almost like let's throw it... <laughs> I feel this is not marketing for CES, and I know they'll never use this. I know my uh, table one table idea didn't work out. No. I'm sure they will never use this one. You know, it's, it's basically throw it at the wall and see if it sticks. That's CES. It really is. That's yeah, well, what CES is. I mean, you could argue that's a lot of the technology conferences that technology showcases are. I mean, it's smaller companies out there that saying, hey, we've got this idea. Can we get the backing? Is there enough interest in it? Mm. But yeah, I mean, just the general concepts and the thing that technology, the effect technology can have. You wouldn't even, I mean, using a gyroscope to counteract the tremor. I wouldn't have even thought of that, but apparently it works. Amazing. Going faster than a jet turbine. I know, and they're aiming to miniaturise that. I mean, that just blows your mind. <sighs> yeah, it is incredible. Um, yeah, I, I love those stories, and I think there's so many. And, you know, I have done so much research, and I know I've probably barely touched the surface of the stories that were there. So if you were there and you had a company that was, you know, promoting accessibility, you think, hey, they didn't mention me. Well, I promise you it's not because we weren't looking for you. I promise. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there are so many stories that are coming out and continue to come out. And as I was putting that list together last night, I was finding more and then finding others. So I've added as much into that as possible as uh, I can physically manage. Uh, but, you know, there will always be more stories coming out and we will continue to report on it. That's, of course, the joy of Double Tap. We're here every day, so we can talk about it every day. Uh, and also just to say, on our website, if you want to catch up with uh, the audio version of that, you can do that. You can listen to all of what you've just heard on the website in our Double Tap News CES special on the homepage of uh, doubletaponair.com. You can also get a written version of that with links to all the stories as well if you want to know more information about a specific story and listen to the audio and watch the videos that we've been sharing as well. All that on our special CES wrapped up the Double Tap Perspective oh. webpage. So it's all there for you to go and check. And it just makes it easier to find, right? Because there's so many articles, so many places you have to go. We've just put it in one place. So it should make it a lot easier for you to find. Amazing um, work, Stephen. I've got to say, I well done. I want to, yeah, well, I want to move on because I want to pick up on a couple of other stories and then I want to have some fun with some of this tech. Because, I mean, a lot of cool stuff for sure. And a lot of very important tech. There's some fun tech as well I want to get to a bit later. But uh, here's some new uh, features. Now, we kind of touched on this yesterday, partly by accident. But uh, we did touch on this when we had David Ward joining us on the show from Echo Tips podcast. He was talking about character AIs. And uh, this is, you know, basically allows us to have conversations with various personas, although all with the same voice. Yes. Um, but that was one of the new AI or generative AI features that uh, were, were brought out and announced at CES. That was one. Another was uh, a skill by Splash for creating music using voice commands. This is uh, coming. So it's called Splash. I'm sure you'll be checking that out later. Oh, absolutely. 
and a version, a modern version of the 20 questions game by Volley, that's V-O-L-L-E-Y, that uses generative AI. So the 20 I questions think, game? Yeah, you know that thing where it's, I think you, it's not like you've got to work out based oh, yeah. on 20 questions. Animal, vegetable, mineral, yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. of thing. I always remember the, the scale and app, is it? the magic akinator or something where you had to think of a person and it asked you a series of questions i never understand how they make that work it seems like a magic so that'd be cool yeah also amazon unveiled their airplay equivalent called matter casting uh it's an alternative to apple's airplay uh which initially will support streaming from amazon's prime video app to echo show devices and later expanding to fire tv no, I'm trying to think about the accessibility angle here. Now, I guess the only question for me is, as long as it brings the audio description with it, I think this is quite good, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's a bit of um, uh, the reliability of what you can stream on a, a smart speaker of a display is always a little bit up and down. There was a time where YouTube wasn't available. I'm not even sure if it's back now. Netflix, things like that. So the ability to cast, especially in the bigger Echo shows the fifth. I'm thinking of the 15 inch and things like that. The ability mm. to stream uh, video across, and as you say, as long as it's got the audio descriptive track with it as well, yeah, that's only a bonus. Seems quite cool. And of course, this is this new platform uh, Matter, which is a, a broad home standard, a broader home standard, which Amazon actually co-founded. Um, and this is something which uh, they are going to adopt into or bring into other products. I mean, like older video services like Plex, Stars, Sling TV. They will get that eventually as well. And the whole thing is really about trying to, I guess, just create a better way to connect devices, you know, uh, and, you know, share video, which I think is a great idea. The the whole point of matter is to open it up, not to lock people into these ecosystems, which is okay from a business point of view. But when you're talking about the smart home and how easy it is for us as end users to set them up and use them, we want an open protocol that we don't have to open several thousand apps in order to do one thing. (laughs) Uh, I want to mention as well a couple of other new products from Satechi. Uh, this is a company which uh, do some great accessories. Uh, the first is an upgraded stand and hub for Mac Mini and Mac Studio, uh, probably more of us interested in the Mac Mini one, uh, which features an NVMe SSD enclosure. That's those tiny little hard drives, Yes, which uh, you, you don't get a huge amount of capacity, maybe up to four terabytes, but you do get great speeds. That's the key. And uh, you can actually have them now inside these little uh, stands that go. In the case of the Mac Mini one, it just literally sits underneath the Mac Mini. It's the same size. Um, It's maybe a quarter of the thickness of a Mac Mini, but it just sits directly below it. So it gives a little bit of height to it, but it does add things to it. So, you know, it adds uh, USB ports and SD card slots and all that to the front of your Mac Mini, which is really cool. Um, The Thunderbolt 4 Slim Hub Pro, there's lots of these flying around, but this one is good because... It offers up to 40 gigabit transfer speeds, uh, 8K, 60 hertz video output, 96 watt charging, and the ability to daisy chain up to six devices as well. Um, Stand and Hub is priced at $99.99, and the Thunderbolt 4 Slim Hub Pro is $199.99. But I also want to mention a keyboard. I've got to mention a keyboard. Of course you you have. 
And there's lots. There's tons of, I mean, all the keyboards I could pick out. I think clicks is one of my most interesting ones, although obviously it does have a few downsides. <laughs> On the desktop keyboard side, or maybe even portable, Satechi were there to please all of us, or me at least, with their new SM1 Slim Mechanical Backlit Bluetooth Keyboard. If you can say it three times fast, you get one for free. <laughs> uh, it's what's called a 75% keyboard, uh, which basically means it doesn't have a numpad. And the cursor keys are kind of built into that laptop-style key arrangement we've got used to. Uh, it's got all the things you would come to expect, but here's the kicker for me, and this is the thing that really interests me. You can connect up to four devices at once. Not three, which is often the case. Oh, four. I see. Four, okay. So two via Bluetooth, one via the bundled USB dongle, and another directly via a connected cable. Oh, that's quite clever. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Uh, it's available now uh, from Satechi Direct, and it's $99.99. Uh, very cool. There's lots more to talk about. I mean, what about Anchor? They've uh, got some new charging accessories on the go called MagGo. And these are the new ones that support Qi 2, which enables basically faster charging rates, 15-watt charging rates for iPhones with MagSafe. Uh, the lineup now includes the MagGo 3-in-1 charging station, which is the first I've seen from them, which allows you to charge your AirPods, your Apple Watch, and your phone at the same time. Um, two MagGo power banks are also coming out with different ca- uh, capacities, a MagGo magnetic charging station, and a very simple MagGo wireless charger. Now, these offer all the usual features you would expect, um, and range in price from uh, $21.99 to 110 so kind of what we're used to in this space, maybe a little bit cheaper. Yes. Yeah, a little bit cheaper maybe than Belkin, for example, but yes. you know, a good name, a reliable name. So also important to say, when you say MagSafe there, Qi 2 is bringing MagSafe out of the Apple ecosystem to everywhere. So uh, Android, whatever, wireless charging now is going to have those magnets so you are perfectly located on the charger every time. It's going to be huge. Oh, it's going to be so good, right? That is going to be cool. And, and you know, I imagine Google Pixel will probably get into that first. Absolutely. And others will follow. Although in saying that, we've got a Samsung event coming up on, what's uh, 17th of January? Maybe the new Samsung yes. phones will have that in it? Could well do. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense, wouldn't it? When you yep. think about it. Um, okay, well, look, finally, uh, before we go, uh, there is one more category we haven't touched on yet. But before I get to that, anything else you want to pick up on? Because I know there's lots of stories. I know that, you know, are you going to buy a transparent TV? I, I, you keep going on about the transparent. I've got to <laughs> say. anyone talks about. I love trans. Well, I'm thinking of, I want a transparent TV as my window. I hate roller blinds. I hate curtains. I could just turn this thing on and suddenly people can only see Coronation Street from outside and they can't see me anymore. Whatever it is. I think there's so many use cases for transparent. That transparent technology, actually, I think is more interesting. Yes, as a TV, uh, I'm not entirely sure. But having transparent displays, I think that's going to be huge in the future. We're going to have uh, video wallpaper. That's what's going to happen. What about... um? robots because i felt this year there were there were talk about robots and there was various ones on show but as there always is i didn't get the impression that they were quite the focus this year uh, robots are always i feel are always going to be those prototypes there's a hey look at this it's cool because we all want robots of course we do but the technology i've believe just isn't there yet we, we, we got them so they can trundle around and follow you around but as to actually being able to interact and move around your environment 
intelligently, I feel we're still not there yet. So every single robot that I've ever seen so far are very much, hey, look what we could do possibly in the future. I don't think there's any practical use cases outside of corporate, hey, aren't we cool? Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. health tech, I suppose, but it's not quite there yet. You're right. Everything seems to be a prototype. Bar one, Samsung's Bailey, we were talking about the robot the other day, the one that... Did you say Bailey? I've heard it called Bally because it is ball-shaped. Oh, oh, I see. Maybe that's what it is. It's yes. Bally, right. Okay. Oh, like Wally. I see. Ah, right. yeah. Unless you're just thinking of the alcohol drink, Bailey's. I know you're a fan. Maybe. Well, yeah, because I am absolutely... <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> This is a guy who has a bottle of Jack Daniels in his cupboard and have literally drink it, drunk the neck out of over about five years. So alcoholic, I am not. Yes. Um, but yeah, interesting. But this one apparently is going to be going uh, to market. So they are actually prepping up to sell this, which will be quite interesting. I'll believe interesting. it when so, I see it. Let me see that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of going to go with you on that. Uh, but look, before we go, one final category that we have to turn to, and that is category for... Pets, yes. What about our lovely dogs, for example? Oh. Yeah, I'm talking about you. So, okay, let's start with the tech that we use to locate our pets. Remember the days we were told we couldn't use Apple AirTags for this? Well, Samsung have come to the rescue. They've introduced the Galaxy Smart Tag 2, a device designed to keep tabs on your pets. Attach it to their collar, and voila! You can monitor your pet's whereabouts and activities. Gather there! All using Samsung's SmartThings app, which, of course, is powered by AI, like everything else. The good news is it's actually quite cheap. It's only $30. Oh, he's a good boy. Uh, now, gone are the days of simple pet collars. Enter Invoxia's Smart Dog Collar, the latest in wearable tech for pets. It's a comprehensive health monitor for your dog, tracking everything from their movement to their heart rate, sleep, appetite, and even their barks. <coughs> On cue. Uh, the collar isn't just a tracker, though. It is a fully-fledged health tool, helping you and your vet stay ahead of potential health issues. Priced at $149. It's a lot of money, but, you know, you know you're going to buy one. Now, do you feel guilty when you leave your dog alone at home? Oh, so sad. Uh, Oro offers a solution with its AI-powered autonomous robot. Yes, another high-tech companion in your home that can allow you to interact with your dog remotely, offering comfort and treats. It's not the first time we've heard of this kind of tech. And it's not just a robot either, according to Oro. It's a learning companion that adapts to your dog's behaviour, aiming to soothe them when they're anxious. Aww. It's available for, wait for it, $799. (laughs) Now, Pawport reimagines the traditional dog door. It's a sturdy, weatherproof solution that integrates with your pet's collar, ensuring only your pet has access. The door even collects data on your pet's comings and goings. Plus, with a remote lock and unlock feature, you maintain control over your home's security. You can pre-order it now. I don't know how many animals are roaming about the Double Tap studio today, but uh, yeah, interesting. A cat's just wandered in because Whiskers Litter Robot 4 is here to transform litter box maintenance. Yeah. This upgraded version boasts enhanced odour control and safety features, keeping track of litter levels in real time. It's designed to accommodate up to four cats, making it a one-stop solution for multi-cat homes. At $699, it promises a cleaner, more pleasant home environment for you and your feline friends. Ah, 
lovely. Now, not all tech is for indoor pets. Birds as well should get some tech and some AI love, don't you think? Yeah, well, Birdfee's AI-powered bird feeder is exactly that, and it will bring nature closer to you, according to the website. Equipped with a camera, and wait for it, AI, it notifies you whenever a bird stops by, even identifying the species for you. How cool is that? Price, $170. You know what? I think I'll just guess. Oh, easy. It's a robin red breast. Wow, how big was that sad dog, by the way? That sounded like uh, the Hound of the Baskervilles. <laughs> Pretty sad dog, I think. Very you'll find. cool, though. Very cool. Even that bird feeder thing. I mean, you know, I, I know a lot of people who listen to our show love bird song, and you know, identifying birds and all of that is like that. a big thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've tried a, a few apps that apparently do that, but I've never got one to work properly. So that sounds great. Yeah. Well, there you go. That is CES all wrapped up for you. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. And, of course, you can check out all of our stories that we've covered on the show today with links and content as well, and more stories as well on our website where you can find links to our Access Tech Live Part 1 and Part 2 specials, our two-hour-long specials we did this week. I think we've covered it. I think that's it. I think we have. That was fantastic work. And so much there I'd never heard of from the mainstream, so I'm very impressed. Yeah. We're back on Monday. Happy weekend, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.